Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be in this house. We are, as Pastor Brent has said, it's good to see him. Uh, friends for decades and uh, friends and family and partners in preaching the gospel. We are so much family that the Coulter family is starting to look like me. They're starting to look Italian. And I knew I was in the right place when the game was mentioned today. And if you want your place assured in heaven, you have to root for Italy this afternoon. Just to want to make sure that Peter may be at the gate and say, why didn't you root and then you might have a bit of purgatory to do. Not hell, just purgatory. You know, just a little bit of cleansing and so on. But uh, uh, no, it's exciting. They made it. Of course, we're looking forward uh, to to watching the game this afternoon. We have family thing planned. We're going to have fun. And, but first, uh, we're going to give God 30 minutes of our time. We already gave him time in praise and worship. We're going to give him 30 minutes in the Word. Amen? And then we're going to lunch at which stage I will explain to them what soccer is and how it works and why there's no skates and no bat and everything because, you know, I've had to teach them a few things through the decades and uh, life things. I mean, and then, uh, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll watch the game. All right. So, are you ready to get in the Word now? I, I have a real simple message this morning. You know, simple doesn't mean shallow. Many things that Jesus taught were simple in the sense of plain, but they were deep. I know Pastor Brent said uh, that uh, I'm a teacher of the Word, and it's going to be so simple I don't want to disappoint you this morning. But I believe that it's something that we need. Uh, for the past uh, couple of months, the Lord has had me minister on hope. And uh, 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 everywhere I go, before I minister, obviously, I prepare, I pray, and I try to get a, a fresh word from God wherever I am. I do my best to do that. And when I check this week in my heart, uh, I, I still have the Lord say, no, you talk about hope. Because uh, uh, one thing that 2020 and 2021 have been are hope killers. And so uh, we are bombarded literally 24 hours a day uh, on media, online, uh, with the news, with uh, negative and negative and negative, and, and nobody's denying anything, uh, but uh, uh, the negativity is a lot, and, and there is hope. We believe in God, and we believe that God can turn everything around. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And so, I'll be talking on hope. In fact, I'm going to get uh, overboard on hope, and I'm going to get silly on hope. Is that all right with you? Can I do that? <laughs> because uh, uh, God gives us the desires of our hearts. And, and in spite of everything that's been going on, uh, God is still on the throne, and the Word of God is true, and the Holy Spirit is alive and moving on the earth. Amen? And He is our hope. And look at the last song that they just sang, fits right, right, fits so well, because the, the, uh, the one line said, Jesus Christ is our hope. Amen? And that's what we're going to talk about. So my text, my, my starting text is Romans chapter 15. In uh, uh, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this, uh, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he 
shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you this morning for the time that we have in the Word. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for enlightenment. We thank you for understanding. We thank you, Father, for Help us to change our thinking and help us to renew our minds. Help us to see things as you see them, Father. And blessed Holy Spirit, we're so happy that you're here, that you're in our midst, that you help us to understand the Word, that you make the Word alive, and that you uh, help us to put the Word of God to practice. And we give you glory and honor, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, this text here, look at verse 13. It, it is such a powerful text. It is full of powerful words and positive words. I am not a, um, a, a positive thinking preacher. That's not the label. In the sense that I do, I do think positive. But I am a gospel preacher. I am a preacher of the good of Jesus Christ. And the good news of Jesus Christ is positive. Even the word gospel is positive. Gospel doesn't mean bad news, it means good news. Amen? And so, it's, it's, I can't help it if the word of God is powerful and is positive. I don't think we should apologize for that. It's just the way that it comes out. And so, we don't really need positive thinking. I think we need Bible thinking. I think we need scripture thinking. And so, just this verse here, verse 13, says the God of hope. So, God is the God of hope. And then it says filled. So, that, that, that's, a, that's a full word. That's a powerful word. Fill, and then it says all joy. So, not just fill you with a little bit of joy, but God wants to fill us with all joy. And joy is a positive emotion, too. Joy is powerful. And so, already we have filled with all and joy. And all is, if, if, uh, if a glass is full of water and it's truly full, there's no room for anything else. When we're full of something, there's no room for anything else. If I am full of joy, then there's no room for anything else in my mind and in my emotions. There's no room for depression and sadness. I, I may be uh, tempted, I might have moments like that, but Generally speaking, we should be full of joy. And then if something happens that challenges the joy, we should pick up and trust God and then get full of joy again and stay full of joy. But it's fill all and joy. And then in verse 13, the next word is peace. That's a good thing too, isn't it? Peace. And it's positive. And then in believing, and there's the faith. So we have here uh, the three biggies, hope, faith and love. They're the three that abide, right? Faith, hope, and love. And they're all in this verse. And then the verse continues, it says that you may abound. So the, the all, filled with all, wasn't enough. For the Apostle Paul, he also wants us to abound. And, and that's where we 
get into uh, things and thoughts that are beyond the, the human logic because, um, you know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that I can ask or think. So whatever I can think of that I would like God to do, and I say, man, if God did that, then it would just be like my life would be fine forever, right? Well, God can not only do that, but he can do abundantly above. He can do above that, not just above that, but he can do abundantly above all that. And he can't just do abundantly above all that. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that. So we're talking about uh, God being infinite. And so we're at the edge here, and, and we're stretching the English language as far as we can when it comes to God being infinitely powerful and infinitely good and being able to do uh, exceeding, exceedingly. It's like, it's like it's, it's whatever you can throw, as far as you can throw it, well, God will do infinitely above that. They, they really didn't have the concept of infinity developed in ancient times like we do. It's a relatively modern concept and term. But that's why they don't use infinity. But when you use exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or ask, uh, we would say that today infinitely. God is able to do infinitely above. It's our concept of infinity. And so we are filled, going back to verse 13 here, we're filled with all uh, uh, joy and all peace in believing that you may abound. And now we're abounding, but, you know, how is that possible? Because we're already filled with all of it. And, and when you're full, there's no room for anything else, but then you can abound because God is a God of abundance and a God of overflowing. Uh, abound in hope, it says. So there's hope again. And by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's the word power and then there's Holy Spirit. So abound in hope. And this was jumped out at me. It's not just a kind of hope a little, but I hope so. We're supposed to abound in hope. And we're supposed to be filled with all hope. And so, and, and, and the first reaction to that is, well, you know, uh, I don't know about that. This sounds too positive. It sounds maybe trivial. It sounds like uh, uh, you don't know my circumstances. And you don't understand my circumstances. So how could I possibly abound in hope and abound in joy when things can be so difficult for me. So I get that and I understand that, but I'm going to help you with that by looking at the context. Because I didn't just uh, uh, choose as a text verse, verse 13, I started with verse 12. And context is always very important. And so verse 12 says, Isaiah says, this is the Apostle Paul quoting the prophet Isaiah. And he says, a root of Jesse, there shall be a root of Jesse. And so already, you know, what is that? Uh, I, don't, I don't get that. What is it? And we just kind of tend to skip over that. Just read it, skip over it, because I don't get it. I don't understand. It's not language that I use normally. And so the context always helps, because the context um, places things in, 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 in relatively to where things are at. And in this case, the context answers the objection. You know, sometimes 
preachers are surreal because they're over positive and they just, maybe they don't get it because they live in a bubble and they tell us to hope and love and walk by faith and, you know, try to be in my shoes. And so the idea is this, is that we think that God uh, inspired these verses uh, when uh, uh, things uh, were going well for the ones who wrote them. The, Paul, God used the Apostle Paul to inspire this verse. And, you know, our picture here, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. And, and we think that when Isaiah talked about uh, the root of Jesse, and then uh, in a few minutes we're going to look at Jeremiah, too. I'm connecting Romans, Isaiah, and Jeremiah together. And we're going to look at a powerful passage in Jeremiah on hope, which is connected to this, to this verse that we just read. And, you know, we think that when, when, when Jeremiah... Uh, said, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, and it's a future and a hope. The picture that we have in our mind is that Jeremiah was uh, sitting, uh, you know, uh, uh, lying on the beach somewhere in the Mediterranean and catching some rays in the summer, you know, and drinking a nice pineapple juice with uh, ice and an umbrella in it. You get the picture? Lying on a hammock, you know. And then in that idyllic setting, perfect setting of, of sun tanning on the Mediterranean beach, God said, hey, you know, I, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans of future. And that is the farthest from the truth because when God inspired Jeremiah to write that, uh, uh, Israel... It's about 500 years before Christ. And Israel was surrounded by the Babylonian army. They were under siege. And they were about, Israel was about to be destroyed and they were about to be deported. I'll take a pause. Brad, are you still with me? I kind of talk like for 10 minutes. And, hi. Did I say hi at least? Or did I just open my pop? I'm thinking that. I'm going through my Connie recordings to see. Did I, did I say hi? Did you feel like I connected? And did I look you in the eye? Did I do okay? If I didn't, I apologize. Because when, when I open my Bible, I lose it. I, I go in another world. That power and passion come all over me. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm looking at you, but I don't, you know. So I hope, that, did I do that? So it's time for a pause a moment. Ah, a moment, a breath. So does that change things? So I get it. You know, if you're, if you're living in a bubble in a palace somewhere and, you know, you prophesy, I know the plans that God has for you in a great future, I, I can point the finger and say, you know, uh, things are not exactly perfect right now in my life. Can, can, you, can you relate to that? But, but if, if, if whoever says that is in a pit, because Jeremiah, when he wrote that, was in a pit. You get that? He was thrown in a pit. And uh, like, like Joseph, you know, in a pit. So he didn't have like, you know, 500,000 followers giving him thumbs up. For, they didn't like what he was saying, you know. And he's thrown in a pit. And, and, uh, and God gives that revelation. And Israel is about to be deported. And, and they're about to be destroyed. And Jeremiah is uh, prophesied before the exile. And he prophesied during the exile, and then he also prophesied after the exile, pre-exilic, exilic and post-exilic prophet. And he, do you know that when the king of Babylon invaded Israel, 
uh, he let Jeremiah go, and Jeremiah could have gone free. And Jeremiah chose to go into exile to continue to minister the word of the Lord and minister hope and faith to the exiles. So he lived and prophesied before the exile, during the which was horrible, the destruction of Jerusalem, the deportation into Babylon, and then he lived to see after it. Why? Because he knew the plans that God had. Now, do you agree that that gives credibility to the word? Do you agree that? That we can't point the finger anymore at God. And we can't point the finger at Paul or Jeremiah or Isaiah and say, well, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. Yeah, they do. And uh, in Jeremiah's time, they had a foreign army invading them. Uh, today, we don't have a foreign army invading us, but we have a virus invading us. <laughs> right? That's an enemy, isn't it? Isn't a virus an enemy? It tries to kill and steal and destroy. So the parallel holds. And I'm telling you this morning that God has a plan. I'm telling you this morning that God has a plan. And I'm telling you that the plan is not for death and destruction, but is what God said. And the plan that God has is when death and destruction are knocking at the door. And you look out the window and you can see the Babylonian army. They could, you know, right there. And when the siege was terrible because they, what they would do is to destroy a city, they would take years, sometimes decades in ancient times, and the army would surround the city and just camp there and live there. So they would let uh, famine come in the city and they wouldn't have food anymore. They wouldn't have drinks anymore. And they would have terrible diseases and sickness and and half the population would die just from that because a foreign army would uh, seal the city off. So in the middle of all that, God gives hope. Now the context here in our text, right, Romans 15 is the verse before verse 13, the, the great verse on hope, right, with all those positive words, is a little cryptic. It talks about why would Paul quote Isaiah? And then from Isaiah, move on to the God of all peace, fill you with hope, right? And why would he throw this root of Jesse in here, right? So, the root of Jesse. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Let's go see it in the NIV. The prophet Isaiah, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So the Apostle Paul is quoting this verse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. It's, it's really uh, uh, botanical language, right? Uh, shoot, stump, roots, branch, fruit. When you think of trees and fruit, we should immediately connect things. We're in the age of connecting things. And the, and the Bible will open up to you if you start connecting it. And not look at a verse in a vacuum, but things should fire off. So tree and fruit, there was a tree in the garden. Uh, you know, the Bible is Italian. It starts with eating, and it ends with eating. All man's trouble started with eating. Italian, right? 
And in the last chapter of the Bible, there's the tree again, and, all, and everyone eats from the leaves. And then Psalm 1 says that we are like trees planted by the rivers of water. And when you think of uh, trees and, uh, and branches, you should immediately think of Jesus, John 15, that says, I am the vine and you are what? Then it begins to make sense, otherwise they're just disjointed verse. But the language here, let, let's put it up again, of, uh, of Isaiah 11.1 in the NIV, so the stump of Jesse. So we're talking about Jesse. Who is Jesse? See, we might not understand that in modern times, but uh, in ancient Israel, they all knew who Jesse was. Jesse was David's father, right? King David's father. So Jesse, David, his son, his immediate son, and then centuries later, Jesus, the son of David. Ah, right? Two lineages in the Bible. Moses, the law, religion, religiosity, and the Pharisees, right? Other lineage, Abraham, Jesse, David. Melchizedek, not Levi, but Melchizedek. Let me go in order. Melchizedek, right? Abraham, Melchizedek, David, Jesus. What lineage do you and I belong to? We are not of the lineage of the Levites and the law and Moses and religiosity. We are of the lineage of Abraham and David and Jesus. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew starts like that. Jesus, son of Abraham, son of David. The genealogy, right? So when you see David applied to Jesus, or Jesse, we're applying messianic terms. Here's what we're saying. Jesus is not just the son of Mary. No, 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 no. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the prophet that, 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 that Moses said, there's going to be a prophet coming after me greater than I, right? He is the, the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, not Levi, not the law, but Melchizedek, right? And he's the one that every prophet in the Old Testament prophesied about, and every, the whole Old Testament talks about. It's a messianic term. So when uh, the Canaanite woman went up to, do you remember the, the woman that had the, the daughter that was severely sick and, and, and she prayed and Jesus healed her? She called Jesus son of David. She said, Jesus, son of David, not son of Mary, son of David, have mercy on me. That, that shows that you understand that he's the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, that he is God in the flesh. Bartimaeus, when he cried out, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So the root of Jesse, right? We're talking about the Messiah coming. Now, now see verse 12 now, our verse, uh, makes a little more sense into it. And then there's a concept of stump. Everybody say stump. So I have a picture.
pictures because <laughs> pictures really help. You have the stump. Can you put it up? Uh, is, it, is it possible? There it is. Can you see the stump? That's a stump.
Am I doing okay? Uh, 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 you go to the doctor for a routine visit, and the doctor says you have a lump and we have to investigate further. See, that's difficult to handle because it's unexpected. Uh, uh, you, you go to work and they say we're laying off people and you're laid off or you're fired, and it's not, that's unexpected and it's difficult. So the stump here talks about an, an end and a sudden end, and it talks about death. And then if you remember our text, it says, a new shoot will come up from the stump. You have my second picture? And here it is. So, here is death. That's the stump, okay? That's the, the top part of the stump. And just to blow it up, out of death, here comes this new shoot. That's what Romans 15, 12 is saying. That's what Isaiah 11 is saying. God is saying, out of, when you see something is dead, when you see it's a stump, when you say there is no hope, there's no future, there's no life, then God will cause a shoot, a new life, to spring from the dead stump. Think of Star Wars, the original three, a new hope. After the empire had taken everything over and destroyed and darkness was in the land, the new hope came. You know, the little kid uh, uh, in, in, a, in a desert. See, see, the language is the same. You think why some of these movies are popular is because they're touching on, on, on universal themes, right? In the back of the desert, see the desert. Remember Luke Skywalker in the desert, you know, fixing his things? And, and, and it's, that's, he is the new hope in the Star Wars saga. Coming out from there, and it's unexpected, but that changed everything. Then he overthrew the empire. Of course, here we're talking about holy things, and we're talking about Jesus. So, God is saying, out of death I bring new life. Out of, God, Isaiah is saying that in difficult and challenging moments... Whether it's because Babylon is about to invade us and deport us like it was in their time, or whether it's a difficult and challenging moment of what we are living in now, uh, 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 a virus, and a virus that seems to mutate, you know, and, 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 and all these changes that we're facing and challenging the challenges that we're facing, if we have no God, there is no hope. But you and I serve the God of hope. And in the middle of this mess, we need to be filled with hope. 
Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. The law and the Moses is the law. Elijah is the prophet. Prophets. Jesus is the New Testament. I would have liked to be a fly on the wall to hear the conversation. Here's the New Testament having a conversation with the whole Old Testament, with the law and the prophets and Jesus. Peter, James, and John were there, and God spoke. Peter, years later, reflects on that event in his epistle. And he says, you read it on your own, 1 Peter, he says, I heard the voice of God. But then he says, this is the sure prophetic word of God. And he's talking about the word of God. The word of God is the sure prophetic word of God. It's time-tested. It's eternal. I'm trying to tell you this. Oh, what do we do? Is death, destruction, loss, this, the future is uncertain. Here's what I'm telling you. There's an app for this. By an app, I mean it's already been done through death and destruction. It's happened through the centuries. And uh, in the Bible, and historically, God has always intervened in the darkest times and turned around. That's what I mean. There's an app for this. You don't have to lose sleep at night. You don't have to worry over about it. You don't have to try to figure out what it is. You just have to look at this and these verses. And it's, it's happened before. And God has done it before. Think of the Bible stories. Children of Israel, captive in Egypt. What does God do? To stop them. Finished. God raises up a Moses to deliver them. God gives Joseph a dream. You're going to be a leader. Is it a straight line? No, no, it's not a straight line. You know, he gets thrown in the in the pit. And then he gets thrown into prison unjustly. See? But there's an app for this. God always got him out of it. God always got him out of it. God always got him out of it. And the promise of God came to pass in the end. Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego picking it. That's a Job. Job had death and destruction in his life. But please read the end of the book. There's an app for this. What happens? And it's not God doing it. Don't ever think that God is the author of COVID. That's another teaching. <laughs> right? <laughs> God is the one who's getting us out of it. He's the one who's rescuing. He's the one who's making the way out. God is not the God of destruction. Right? And so, the enemy destroyed in Job's life, but what happened at the end? There's an app for this. God got him out of it. And in the end, he had twice as much as he had before. So this is what I'm telling you. How are things going to end? Here's how they're going to end. I'm, 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 I am prophesying this morning. You're going to be better off when all this is over than you were before. Amen? You're going to be better off than you were before. You're going to have more than you had before. You're going to have a better job than you had before. You're going to be stronger than before. Your family is going to be more united than before. You're going to have a higher pay than you did before. And city charge 
right? But we know the thoughts that God has for us. So when you lie down at night to go to sleep, you don't have to worry. Most of all, see, I like this. You don't have to guess. I wonder what God thinks about me. He's about to tell you. Are you listening? I am telling you what God thinks about you. Not because I'm making it up, I'm reading it from the holy prophetic word of God. If I made it up, you'd have every right not to trust it. But because I'm reading you what God says, you can rest assured and you can trust it fully. So I wonder if God wants this, I wonder if God wants to, am I going to die, am I going to this, am I going to that, what's going to happen? Here are the thoughts that God has for you, right? God says, I have thoughts of peace. It might say peace, right? And I have, I have some other translations. Which I'll, we'll go through them in order. He says, I have good plans for you. The NCV, that's a new century version. I have good plans for you. Not plans to hurt you. Are you looking at me? Smile real big. See, I made a bold statement when I said, you know, wow. God is not the author of COVID. Well, how do you know that? Because I read Jeremiah. No person that reads Jeremiah 29.11 can ever accuse God of being the architect of COVID. Because God has good plans, and they're plans not to hurt us. And viruses hurt people. Isn't it good? Uh, this is a good verse to go to sleep with. Right? Plans for good, New Living Translation, not for disaster. Isn't that good? Right? ES English Standard Version, plans for welfare. New English Translation says the next one, plan to prosper you. And then he says, thoughts of peace. Everybody say, peace. And peace is shalom. Everybody say, shalom. So it's not just I feel velvety and good on the inside, but shalom is well-being. Shalom is a Hebrew word for may things be well with you. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. That's God's plan. All the devil tries to do is break things and take things and steal things. But God's plans are nothing missing. Then he says, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, to give you a future. Go to that. I underlined it. You see that? To give you a future. Now, are you listening? I'm concluding. I'm wrapping up. It's not just a tomorrow. It's a future. Do you understand the difference? God doesn't just want to give you another day. Because it's possible to have another day and not have a future. Because God may give me chronologically another day. In other words, I may wake up tomorrow and still be breathing. But that's not a future. A future, see, it's not just, I may just be hopeless, sad, and surviving and barely making it. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is not just another day to bear. The plan of God is a future. It's not just another chronological day. It's a future. Amen? <laughs> to give you a future. 
the New Century Version, NCV, says a good future. Everybody say good future. Right? And then he says, a future filled with hope. Amen. I'm stopping. Let's stand on these two verses.